people of Earth. Give hope. Okay. Hi. Hi, Marla Joe. Hey, Willa Baby. <sighs> nice to see you again. Yeah, yeah. How you doing? Oh, had a busy week. Yeah, as usual. Hoeing away. That's right, because we are <laughs> the, the gig hoes. Oh, yes. I just want to say before we start, we're going to talk about club dates. We've been talking about club dates a lot. Which is weddings, in case you didn't catch any of the first episodes. Weddings, you know. Bar mitzvahs, birthday parties, any corporate. catered, corporate, any catered private event. Does that seem about like the right description? Yes. Okay. And we've all been to them. Okay. So today we had our first um, call-in. Yay. And it was from Jim Pete. She's a drummer, a professional drummer. And he left a great voicemail of two stories that uh, we certainly related to. Mm -hmm. and. Uh, Maybe you will, too. But uh, we appreciate the call-ins, and if you're listening and you have a, a crazy story, a funny story, any kind of story that you'd like to share, we'd love to hear it. So I was playing a wedding one time, and I was sitting with the band at our band table where we were having our food, hmm. and we were sitting with some of the waitresses that were working the wedding also. So us band members would be talking, and... We were talking about high school in the 60s. And one of the waitresses said to us, you were in high school in the 60s? <laughs> and we were like, yeah. So I, I can't believe you guys don't look old enough to have been to high school in the 60s. And we were like, yeah, all of us were. She said, I want to go around the table and I want to ask each of you how old you are. Never, <laughs> and we went around and we all told our, na our, our name and our ages. And she was like, oh, my God, you musicians, you all look so young. <laughs> and a keyboard player, he said, hey, you avoid responsibility, you look young. <laughs> and then another time I was going to a gig, and I was out on the street. I live a block away from uh, Madison Square Garden, so I was loading my drums into my old beat-up Fury <laughs> station wagon. And uh, I had my tux on, I'm putting my drums in the, in the back, and uh, these kids walked by me. They were like, you know, late teens, early 20s. And they stopped and they saw me and they said, are you a musician? And I said, yeah. I said, oh, that's so cool. We're going over to Madison Square Garden. We're going to see Twisted Sister. And I said, oh, oh yeah? And they said, yeah. They said, oh, so what, what kind of gig are you going to do? And I said, uh, I'm going to play a wedding. And they were like, Oh, that's cool. Oh, that's cool. And then one of the kids, he said, you know what? You should try to get into concerts. You get to travel around a lot. You make a lot of money. <laughs> and I was know. thinking, yeah, thanks a lot for the suggestion. <sighs> so those are my two stories. That's my, my take. I love your show. Bye-bye. That's, that's really funny because um, my cousin used to date this really weird guy, Wayne. And he... He said, I have this great idea. I'm going to make a lot of money. It was very similar to, to your caller's um, stories. Is I'm going to get Paula Abdul <laughs> <laughs> and Michael Jackson <laughs> to do a video together. Uh, 
I'm going to get them to do that. And wow. I said, and it was like, this guy was fucking out of his mind. <laughs> <laughs> how are you going to, first of all, get them to do it? And how did you get paid <laughs> from, wow. from this brilliant idea? Wow. So people are always giving you advice on oh, yeah. things that they know nothing about. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But a lot of people have often told, and I think it's a lot of musicians get that, that we look younger than... Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, I don't know what it is. You know? Well, part of it is definitely... Being aware of trying to look good, maybe, because you were out in front of people. That's true, but I think it's also that our job is about having fun and making people happy so that's it doesn't grind you down like a you know yeah right we're not getting up at six in the morning going to a job train. we hate you right know. i mean sometimes it is hard you know yeah. but it's it's hard in small doses and you get a chance to come back <laughs> to yourself yeah, you, know. Know, and you still get to sing and play and Oh, yeah. Oh, no, yeah. I mean, it's a whole other thing. But right. that moment, we're stars, you know, and then we walk through the garbage. <laughs> Back to reality. But uh, we want to thank uh, Jim Peach for calling in. and um, Thanks, Jim. Yeah, and certainly please feel free to call in. The number is on our Facebook page because we would love to hear your stories, too. Yes, it would be awesome. Call us. Okay. So today we're going to discuss the aspect of club dates uh, regarding volume. Volume, that's a big one. <laughs> yeah, I know. And why don't you start off, dear? Yeah, well, sometimes you're too loud even before you start playing. <laughs> so true, so true. Well, I, sometimes I do a gig where I'm just playing piano, I'm not even singing, and it's not an electric instrument. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And um, it's in a, it was like in a dining room, and you know, an acoustic piano, you don't have a volume control. The only but, volume control is you can either raise or lower the right. the lid. And I start, I always like keep it low. In fact, that's why this particular gig loves me because I'm very soft to the touch. I'm not banging away, trying playing like a lot of different chords that I'm trying mm-hmm. to show off or anything or right. whatever. Less is more. Yeah, and it's just not my thing anyway. But um, so they come over to me and says. Oh, could you play a little lighter, you know, because somebody has a concussion, <laughs> you know, and it's like bothering them, and you know, and it's like, and I, and I barely was like playing loud at all. I mean, to me, it never sounds loud, and I'm very conscious of volume because I always worry about, you know, ears and stuff, but on an acoustic piano. Mm-hmm. Um, with the lid down, so it was kind of funny. That is kind of funny. You know, that was a first. Yeah. Someone's, there's someone with a concussion in the room. That's great. Pipe down. That's great. <laughs> I remember once we were playing at the Westbury Manor, we were doing a bar mitzvah, and the downstairs room, and catering halls do this a lot. It's all glass and marble. All the, oh, my God. Yeah, that's that's rough. Yeah, and for the audience, when you have a room like that with all hard surfaces, the sound just bounces around like crazy. So it's it's just loud. Ambient, as they say. Right? Yeah, it's loud generally. Yeah. So the mother of the bar mitzvah kid comes up to me. It's on a break. We're not playing. She <laughs> says, it's, you're playing too loud. I said, we're not playing at all right now. <laughs> Listen to the room, how loud it is. Just... Well, that's the thing. They'll come over and like just point to you as the source of the problem, and mm-hmm. it's people talking. Yeah, right. And I, I was trying tell to tell them to shut up. I was trying to point <laughs> out to her, it's just loud in here. Period. You right. know, but they but don't get that. It's still your fault. Yeah. <laughs> it's always our fault. <laughs> yeah. And so here's my favorite volume story. So we were playing, an audience. Perhaps you've been at one of these parties where they take over an old mansion and they turn it into a catering venue when it really shouldn't be because shouldn't they're all be. right. old tiny rooms. So you're in one room and the they're eating in another room and 
you're trying to entice them to come in and dance in your room, but they can't really hear you in the other room. This was, I can't remember the name of it, but it was one of those places. But there were actually, I think, people living on other floors. And so, and it was in a residential neighborhood. It was on like maybe 26th Street between 5th and 6th, something weird like that. Anyway, they had this monitor in the window, a sound monitor, and it was like a big eye, right? And it would pulse a color. When it was pulsing green, you were okay. When it was pulsing yellow, you were getting into trouble. And when it pulsed red, you were over the line, right? Wow. But it pulsed red every time the drummer hit the snare drum, you know, so it was like really impossible. And we're playing, and the maitre d' keeps coming, running over. Oh, you're making the red eye light up, you know. And it's a bar mitzvah, and the kid wants to hear Led Zeppelin, right? Yeah, played as a ballad. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And every time we go into it, it's pulsing red. And then we were set up. There was a screen behind us, and behind the screen was the elevator. And this guy comes bursting out of the elevator in, like, shorts and sneakers and a T-shirt who lived in the building, (laughs) flipping out on us, right, because we're playing too loud. It's funny Uh. because I did a similar, it was also somebody's apartment, and this woman, this older woman, she rents it out to weddings. As a venue. Yeah, and it was a beautiful apartment. I forgot what street it was, Broad Street somewhere in, like, Soho or something. And, well, it wasn't too loud, but it was, like, hot. That's what it was. And so there was a window right next to where I was, and I wanted to open the window. And, right. oh, you can't open the window because then the sound will get out. You have to sit here and suffocate and yeah. sweat. And then she just sat in the room to make sure. She, like, yelled at me, and I said, I didn't even open the window the first time. I stopped, and somebody else came over and opened the window. Right. It's your fault. It's always the band's fault. Absolutely. Yeah. But. And now we did a gig, just me, my brother, and a drummer. Same drummer whose legs were windmilling. But anyway, uh, me, my brother, and, and a drummer were doing this gig for the visiting nurse services, a luncheon. And it was in the foot, one of the feet of the Manhattan Bridge, those giant stanchions on which the bridge rests are right. hollow. So, And they have parties in there? They had this party in there. <laughs> I mean, it's like a dungeon, but 60 feet high. And they had in this dungeon, cold, drafty stone, you know, these little tables with little pink tablecloths, right? (laughs) It's like completely inappropriate. And then the band, we had it set up on this catwalk, like 30 feet in the air, right? A catwalk, you know, like a fire escape. So we had to bring our equipment up this stairwell and then this narrow catwalk. So we had to play three across. Over our heads were cars driving across the bridge. (laughs) And there was a was like soot falling down in your no, hair? No, but, but you could hear the cars. You go, right, 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 right. It's bad enough walking up the catwalk, and then you right. have to be on the catwalk. But the thing is, if, if the drummer hit the snare like, deep, it sounded like Led Zeppelin in Madison Square Garden because it was 60 feet high. Cavernous, stone. Sure. Yeah, so he'd go, deep, and we'd be, <laughs> right? So they, the visiting nurses were glaring at us the whole time, too, because no matter how low we played, it wasn't low enough. And my brother had this thing. Man, this gig is the lowest, you know, because we had to play the lowest. Somebody had to, like, be really cheap to want to have a party there, I imagine, because you wouldn't pay a lot for that, right? I, you know, they must have gotten it free from the government or Maybe, something. Maybe, yeah. I don't know. You know, the Russian tea room was like that, too. I remember they had to go up on like a narrow staircase and be, like, sort of on a catwalk. That right. always kills me when they yeah. just stick you somewhere and you have to figure out how to get up oh, there. God, I know, but, I know. you know, I guess every, every job has its challenges, <laughs> but it seems like 
because we're always somewhere new. I mean, that's the thing about what we do. It's not like we go to the same office every day and our <laughs> things are all arranged the way we left them yesterday. It's so, like we have to yeah. create our our desk yeah. every time and then break it down and take it yeah, somewhere else I the know. next day. And what was your thing about the... Oh, about volume, yeah. Well, mm. I used to work with a band leader and he... And, for a couple of things were weird. He was too lazy to bring speaker stands, so he used to leave the speakers on the floor, and I remember uh, gave me a problem with my hearing. Mm-hmm. And he was always saying, what? <laughs> you know, there's a lot of people in bands that go, what? <laughs> and he used to use a lot of hairspray, and then I realized one day, like, his ears are very shiny. <laughs> I, think, I think he clogged up his ears with too much hairspray. You know? Oh, wow. Or, but it was a combination of, the speakers mm. being too loud, you know, because right. at some point it gets louder and louder as you get deafer and deafer. I know, that's true. Remember um, that trumpet player? He was always very hoarse singing. He sounded like a cleanser. Oh, yeah. I don't want to say his <laughs> yes, name. Yes, I do. I do. I do. <laughs> yeah, but he just always got loud. Oh, I, I can't hear myself. I can't hear myself. It's because oh, yeah. you're deaf. You yeah. can't hear anyone. <laughs> well, and that's the singer's lament, right? They always want to be louder than they are. And playing in front of bands and I mean, I did it for years without damaging my hearing, and it just took one particular three-minute song when I had to accompany somebody. Mm -hmm. And I couldn't, I knew it was loud, but I couldn't take my hands off the piano and cover my ears, and I was, my ear was never the same. Yeah, well, you know, I mean, volume, like everything else, back then it was another story, because back then monitors were really questionable. It was rare that... That that, they'd give you one. That they'd give you monitors. So you were basically just screaming your brains out through the whole gig. I mean, the good thing, the modern way they they do it now. In ear monitors. In ear monitors. It's very cool. You have your own little volume Mm. control. It's, you know, but we didn't have the technology has like come so far. I mean, I feel like the grumpy old lady because in our day, we didn't have (laughs) in ear monitors. That's true, though. You were lugging those, all that equipment all over the place. And, Mm. uh, (laughs) <laughs> well, it is what it is, and it was what it was, you yeah, know? Yeah, yeah, and that's, I mean, I don't know, because, like, having done rock band gigs, too, I, I really can't say if one was worse than the other in terms of, because, like... In terms least, of volume, you mean? Yeah, because at least with the rock bands, you know, you're usually in a, some dinky little club that wasn't that big, so even though it was loud, it wasn't that big, and was that worse for your ears than one of those giant catering halls that was all glass and marble? Well, I don't think we ever played as loud as a rock band. I mean, at least in the first rock band that I was in, the only, like, real rock band, that at, at a wedding, maybe for the last 20 minutes, you know, when you were playing so loud to chase everybody out of the room because <laughs> you want to go home. Yeah. I mean, Stevie Wonder even wrote a song called Go Home. That I think <laughs> Did he really? To, yeah. We used to try <laughs> play at the end of a gig. We used to play uh, uh, Rock and Roll by Led Zeppelin. That, that, would, that would clear the room. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Been a long time. That's the one. Yeah. And the other thing. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty loud. <laughs> but the catering halls had their own way of emptying out the room. They turned the air conditioner on to like Definitely. minus five. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Oh, God. I know. There was that one place in the Dowling College, I think, in Oakdale. Where oh, yeah. I remember just the band was set up right underneath the air conditioning vents. Like, oh, God, all the waiters times. were running around sweating, but we were like. <sighs> That was the hardest thing, you know. One of, one of the hardest. Things. Yeah, that's true. I keep thinking that was the hardest thing. No, it was this. Uh, uh. And then there's always the um, uh, musical argument between the the singers and the players about volume because well the players 
Every, every player wants to be the loudest player. In the, I mean, it shouldn't be that way. And if you have a sound company that, that really knows what they're doing, then they'll mix you correctly. But they are assuming that no one on the, on the stage is going to turn up. Right, because right, everyone has their own volume control. And the more um, you turn up on the stage, the lower they're going to make you in the house. It's, yeah, it's, it's a fine line, you know, mm. because, I mean, really, as singers, you just want to be able to hear yourself because it's hard to, right. on your throat, if you're singing and you can't, then you push harder and then yeah, you wear your voice out. and then you get out. Right, right. Right. But the guitarists, I mean, come on, they can hear themselves. They just want to, it's like the fun, you right. know, like taking the solo. And I understand. And then they just don't turn down after they take the solo. Or, or they do, you know, but it's not enough. And it's just like everyone keeps getting gradually louder. It's like, it's like the horse waiting to, like, get out into the horse <laughs> race. And once you let them go, I they... But I don't know. It's not... It, any musician can be the uh, offender, right? Because there are drummers that just keep playing louder and louder. I, I'm just thinking of a gig I did the other week where the drummer just was frustrated because he had to play low all day, and then we did one rock song, and he played so loud I wanted to kill myself. Because he finally had to, like, let it yeah, all out. Yeah, he had out. a minute, yeah, to, to let it out. And then there are bass players, you know, and they want to they wanna get the, that low-end sound, so they just crank it. Everyone's going to hate me after this particular broadcast. <laughs> no. They won't hate you. Oh, yeah. They love you. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then singers, you know, I don't blame them because sometimes where the monitor is, if they're in the middle of the stage and the monitors are on the side of the stage, they really can't hear themselves. Yeah. So they want to turn it up. And then and then I start getting feedback from the monitors. It's just... It's it's a very precarious thing, you know, and then you're redoing it for every gig, so it's never the same, even if you figure it out, you know. Well, like, yeah, because the room itself is always different acoustically. The room is different, the people are different. Yeah, and, and sometimes the people want it really loud, or some of them want it loud, but Grandma doesn't want it loud. Well, that's the funny thing, I, when, and it, it even happens when I DJ. You're trying to please everyone all at once, right. and there's like ten ways to please all those people, and they're, you're in like conflict with yourself and them. So, well, I turned it up because they wanted it louder. No, I want it down. Right. Oh, yeah, I can't hear the music. I know. You know, I like know. you said, Grandma. Now, <laughs> how often have you, like whoever, Grandma will come up and say it's too loud, and you go to your mixer or your amp and you act like you're turning the knob, but no, you're not. Do you ever bad. do that? You're bad. You never do that? <laughs> no. I, I turn it down, but then eventually... Turn it back. <laughs> but not all the way. I do it very gradually. Yeah. And also, right. I'll always play like a softer song. Yeah. So they feel like... Right. Because right. I don't want to make it blastingly loud. I don't want to be annoying to people. But no, sometimes, But sometimes they're they're unreasonable. Yeah, and, and people, like, you need a certain level of volume where people aren't going to dance. You know, they need to feel it to some degree. Right. And But it's, it is a fine line. I mean, let's, let's face it, it's... It's not easy being us. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I see I see we have this other category called injury stories. <laughs> oh my god. All right, I'm going to start with this one. So there's there's a catering hall on Long Island. Can't remember the name of it right now, but it's got a very steep entrance. Temple Miserable? <laughs> <laughs> Temple Gates of Hell. Uh, it's got a really steep loading entrance. Really steep like I don't know. And just to mention, not to interrupt, mm, but please, you know, you could have like two things in your hand, like a small amp and a keyboard, and going through loading docks, that's like a, a bane of our lives in itself. And, oh, yes. Uh, we have discussed the loading docks before. Yeah, but it bears, it bears, it bears repeating. Yeah. 
for you sure. Know, where the garbage bins are. <laughs> right. So I think it was the North Shore Country Club. Um, it was winter. There was a thin sheen of ice on this loading dock. And I didn't want to drive my car. People back their cars up to the top of it. But even at the top, it's on an angle. And your car could slide down. Well, not only could the car slide down, but if I put my hand truck there, then the hand truck could slide down. And I just didn't feel good about any of that. So I figured I'll load my hand truck on the bottom and I'll just drag it up the ramp, which was, in hindsight, what a bad idea, right? (laughs) Not only that, but... I should have been trying to push it up behind it and on behind and it. And you did it in the front. I tried to drag it up behind me. Sliding down. Well, it got away from me. <laughs> it got away from me. And all of a sudden, it's driving me instead of me driving it. And I held on. And I held on and I went to my knees. And I slid on my knees and I ripped my pants and my knee was bleeding. And this is before the gig started, right? And it was a band I don't usually play with. So I get in there, my knee's bleeding. I'm doing triage in the ladies' room, seeing if I can, like, scotch tape my pants together or maybe use a pin, you know, something. And then I get set up, and then I have to go play the cocktail hour with these guys that I rarely play with. And be happy and peppy and bursting with love. Yeah, (laughs) hi. Oh, don't mind my knee. It's just bleeding. Oh, my God. Today, somebody would be taping you, and you'd be on Fail Army on Facebook. <laughs> That's right. Because this, you, I showed you that. Uh, oh, yeah. That Brilliant. was pretty funny. So good. Yeah. I mean, yeah. there's well, so many stories. Oh, God. Well, um, I have two good injury stories. Oh, Do you have another one, too? I'll get to it. Okay. Yes, you go. Why don't you tell first? <laughs> I'll tell the, uh, you know, when you go buy uh, guitar cords or speaker cables, mm-hmm from Sam Ash or wherever you buy them. They come with these little plastic clips. You know, I mean, people can relate to how everything comes wrapped in plastic to avoid people stealing things. Oh, but God, they used Some to of do that this. stuff is impossible to get into. It's impossible. You could really hurt yourself. But even with the little clips, mm-hmm. they're just to hold the wire tight. And oh, like the zip ties. Yeah, and they're, sometimes they're really thick and they're tight. You can't yeah. pull the wire out. Mm-hmm. So I had a little utility razor, and I wasn't oh, very no. good with it. Uh-uh. And I ended up slicing my wrist. Oh, God. And I have the scar to this day. It was were, you, the big, were you bleeding profusely? I wasn't because I didn't hit the vein or the artery. But, like, you know, when you <laughs> but when you cut your wrist, you said, am I going to die? <laughs> you know, you just think, well, I cut my wrist. At I'm going to die. At what point in the gig was it? Oh, it's before the gig before, started. Right, everything happens before the gig. So they had to call a sub-in. I couldn't even do the gig, and then oh, I had shit. to go to the doctor, and they had to stitch me up. And Did you go to the emergency room? I don't forgot where it was, but um, I went somewhere. And, oh, my uh, God. But I was lucky because this is, well, you just missed a tendon. Oh, Because fuck. if I had cut a tendon, I wouldn't be able to play the piano. I know. So, I know. And, and plus, I didn't die because I didn't hit the artery, so I was like, yeah, perfect. Wow. But, you know, I never used that again. You always cut away from your body. Yeah, cut away, right. not towards yourself. Things we learn the hard way. I mean, I'm still making mistakes to this day. It's true. We are always learning. Yes. A long time ago, when I was playing in the village with my brother, I stuck my hand in my purse, and for some reason I had a... A a, mouse? No. (laughs) (laughs) I had a... (laughs) She's making a funny move. Uh... I had either a straight razor or a box cutter in there. Oh, my God. And my forefinger, the one I, and I was playing guitar then in this, we were doing like folk music. My forefinger of my left hand. See, only, yeah, my left only hand. girl musicians carry razors in their purses. <laughs> I, 
Not, you know, other girls have nail polish. Anyway, it went right across the, the tip, tip of my forefinger where I play the chords, and it was bleeding. And then I, we got to the village. It was on Bleecker Street, the club. And I found a drugstore, and I got that new skin stuff. You spray on your... Did it work? Yeah. I just sprayed, like, 20 layers. But it probably still hurt. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good. Yeah. Because <laughs> it wouldn't be as good a story if I it know. didn't still hurt. And then... You have another one, too. Oh, I have the best one. Oh, good. Let's hear. You know, I used to work for different companies, but I was working for one guy, and I had to sell the job. And at that time, we used cassettes, believe it or not. Mm -hmm. I believe it. Yeah. And I don't know if I forgot to bring my player, or I don't remember what the circumstance was, but they brought out a radio, or it was my radio. Anyway, they Mm -hmm. put it on the floor. Mm Mm-hmm. And then the, all of a sudden, this um, setting it up, I'm like on my knees on the floor, and this big mastiff Dane dog, which is as big as a little horse. I know they are, but they're usually so gentle. Well, I don't know if he was. Gen- I don't know what it was, but I, you know, he came over to me, and we're sort of like face to face, and he didn't attack me. Were you on your knees, like? Yeah, it yeah. was like because they let your... the dog out. I figured he's friendly, so wait, I, wait. I might have let the dog out. Who? 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 <laughs> Them, them, them. I mean, if someone lets a big monster dog out face to face with you, you think you're okay, you know? And I like animals. I love animals. Right. And I might have gone to pet him. Uh, I don't know. Because he was right there. Yeah. And And then all of a sudden he comes at me. And I was lucky that I reacted. I turned away because he could have bit my fucking face. I'm sorry, Uh, my face. I mean. But I turned away, and he, all he did was get my earlobe, oh which God. was in pieces. And, you know, and then I heard them say, Okay, Mommy, we'll give the dog away. We'll give the dog away. <laughs> <laughs> so evidently, the dog had probably done this before. Uh-huh. Right. I right. ended up suing them and won, of course. Ask. I had 32 stitches in my ear. Oh, my God. This was, I was just trying to sell somebody a band. Oh, my God. And my life was in danger. I mean, I'm lucky that my face is not scarred. I mean, wow. an earlobe. Wow. And you can't even tell uh-huh. because the guy that sewed me up. Do you remember a story where there was a flautist that um, got pushed in the subway? She was from Flushing. I think she was from Queens College. Her Mm -hmm. name was Renee. And anyway, they got me to this doctor. They knew about this great doctor. Uh I think his name was Bruce Nadler. Uh So he had like put this girl's like arm back on so he was able to sew my ear really good. He was a plastic surgeon. Oh my God. You know, they were like, they took care of me, but I still had to sue them. I mean, yeah, sure you did. You know, I hope you got a good vacation out of it. I think I got, it was like 11, you know, they sue for a million and then you get like 10 grand. (laughs) (laughs) It was only an earlobe, but I'd rather have just an earlobe. (laughs) Only an earlobe's worth of punitive damages. (laughs) Uh, you know, so that yeah. was probably my worst injury That's story. That's good. That's a good one. I have a New Year's Eve injury story. We were doing a New Year's Eve gig at a country club, Middle Bay, and uh, they had the piano on on one of those rolling caster things. You know, like it's like a metal frame with wheels on. Oh it yeah, yeah. I hate the when they piano. do that because then you can't hit the sustain pedal. That's right. Everything's out of whack. And I had a little amp under there because they wanted me to sing while I was playing. So when that part ended, I went to reach for my amp under there, and my again, my forefinger, this time on my right hand, it, it snagged on like a little nail or something that was sticking up, and it punctured my forefinger. So what I did for the first hour of the gig is I played with my thumb and the other three fingers and the forefinger sticking up in the air, sorry, sticking up in the air like this. 
I'm holding it straight up in the air for the audience, right? Just so it would stop bleeding. Why <laughs> is that girl giving me the finger? Because yeah, nobody <laughs> seemed to have a, a, a Band-Aid. Band-Aid, and we had to go on. Right. So I played like this for an hour, and finally it stopped bleeding, and I sucked on it every now and then, whatever. You know, and we're playing New Year's Eve. You know, it's one of those audience New Year's Eve gigs are always nuts. Well, usually not. So we're getting near midnight. And by now I had forgotten that I punctured my finger. And we're doing the, the screaming set leading up to midnight. Right. And we're doing the Motown set. And we always ended with dance to the music. And there's, you know, there's, you might want to hear my organ. Sly in the family stone, yeah. for I those who don't ride, know. Sally ride. And then I always do this glissando. And I take my organ solo, right? And he did, and there was blood all over the keyboard. <laughs> oh, that's great. And uh, my cousin. I hope you took a photo. Well, no, I couldn't. I was playing. But <laughs> my cousin Jordan turned around. He's playing trumpet. And he looked at it. You know, he looked at me. And we laughed. You know? <laughs> and later we said, I said, now that is rock and roll. You know? That is rock you and roll. You leave your blood on the keyboard. That is rock and roll. Uh, oh, that's a great story. Isn't that great? <laughs> I know. I know. Really I once good. cut my uh, finger. You know, on the mixers, the quarter inch inputs have these little like raised edge oh yeah i was like i don't know something got caught in there oh, and i no. ended up cutting you know i guess when you cut like around your ankle uh, your uh, knuckles it bleeds a lot or maybe <laughs> just fingers in general i don't know what it is yeah but it was like i had to like ask somebody for a band-aid it was a wedding in indoors because the hurricane had just been, it was recently actually but mm -hmm. uh yeah, it's it's annoying getting injured on the gig, and then you have to do the gig injured. Well, I, yeah, except I am remembering one where I got injured at the end of the gig, and that was thanks to a certain keyboard player whose name I will not mention, but he was, no initials. Uh, MG, I know who. Yeah, <laughs> a real lovely fellow. Yeah, yeah, he had a lot of quirks. Anyway, he was playing at the time. Brilliant, you know. This is another thing, audience. A lot of times you get a brilliant musician who's really not quite right in the head. It's well, like that's that's usually the rule, not the exception. <laughs> they're really talented. It's like ones. God gave them everything in the talent department. Yes, they never developed the rest of the personality. Yeah, or did, but not in a great way. <laughs> anyway, so we're doing this little gig. It was over. He wanted to get home fast because he was playing bass in some little jazz band that was on public access TV. And we were both playing keyboard. I think maybe I was playing bass on my keyboard. Right. One of those situations. But he went to <laughs> yank out his, his cable that was plugged into the amp, and it, it was wrapped around the speaker stand. Oh, God. And it pulled down the speaker on my head. And it was the most amazing thing because I heard the speaker coming at my head. I heard the whoosh of the air. Oh, my God. I saw it. But all I can say is that that sound, it sounded like a black sound. That's how I remember it was like a black sound. And then this thing hit me in the head and knocked me over to the ground, right? And he's like, being him, he's going, sorry, Willa. And he was out. You know? <laughs> that was it. <laughs> he had to get home to see the thing. He didn't even stay to find out if I was okay. Sorry, Willa. You know, boom. And then the, I mean, they got me an ice pack. And like I had to drive home with one hand because I had the ice pack on my head. You know, that's why we have to produce insurance certificates. <laughs> people like that, you know, like oh, because. God. But that was a, like that was a self-inflicted. You know, that was friendly fire, right? Yeah, it was, it was by guess. another musician. But you have to also be careful that your tripod speaker stands aren't. I know, always barricade them somehow. Yeah, somehow, or they're not like in the line of where everybody walks because that's right. the last thing you want. Yeah. Have you ever had? That kind of situation? I'm trying to remember. Um, generally not. 
but anything could happen anywhere, I guess, you know. Mm. Yeah. I mean, I I told the story on the, one of the episodes where I fell off the stage and I yeah, broke my right. dress. Yeah, and I, I slipped on the stage too. And, yeah. But I didn't hurt myself. But right. it was just well, embarrassing. <laughs> only your psyche. Only You only wounded your psyche forever. <laughs> well, like I told you, the guy that saw her, I had to kill him. You know? <laughs> yeah. He's dead now. <laughs> ah. <laughs> ah. Um, ah. I'm trying to think of what other injuries. Well, did I tell the story when I had to go into the um, country club in Brooklyn where they made me go in through the service entrance, but they had all the chairs and the they tables have stacked. All the chairs and the table. But they weren't stacked good. And as I went in, oh, like, they, they, fell all, they fell on me, and I had to fill out an accident report. And oh. like they were all like annoyed that I got hurt. They were trying to do their job. And I was like, I'm yeah. sorry, you know. Yeah, I know. <laughs> you I shouldn't know. have made me do that. I wasn't there, but a drummer friend of mine... <laughs> Went through, uh, went through the glass door at the uh, St. Regis Hotel with his drum set, and he broke the door. Well, that's why we have to use the loading dock. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's why we can't have nice things. We can't have nice things. You know, those those horrible musician oh, people God. with their wheelie dolly thingies. I think we could go to. I think we could go to Credit of the Week. Credit of the Week. Yeah. Did we do that last week too? We did. One, two, two. three. Credit of the week. Well, I, this is our favorite part. We <laughs> talk about things that have gone out of the club date realm in our lives that we like to take credit for. And yeah, uh, I would say all the time when we were doing club dates when we were young, this is what we were striving for to get out of club dates and do the real career. And I think every single person in every wedding band mm. is doing the same thing Absolutely. trying to get out Absolutely. unfortunately i mean there are people that occasionally pat yeah. benatar she did she did weddings Adina yeah menzel did okay. yeah she knows larry that's right yeah, yeah. She, he was a she however Adina menzel he told me she was on some gig in the band leader was ragging on her and she literally said i don't need this shit and she just put down her mic and never went back you know and that was the end of that that's what we should have done 30 years ago. <laughs> We're not a Dina Menzel. <laughs> this is true. <laughs> okay, back to you. Back to me. So my credit of the week is around the same time that um, I had a dance record out. That's not even the credit I'm going to mention. I was working with a guy named Lenny White Ooh. from Pieces of a Dream. and Return or, to Forever. Return to Forever, Pieces of whatever. Yeah. Famous jazz drummer. But, you know, he was doing some pop tracks with another guy that I worked with. And um, he decided to hire me f on this record. Uh, it was on EMI Manhattan Records, and an artist who recently passed, unfortunately, but his name was Bernard Wright, and oh, the yeah. song was called Who Do You Love? And mm -hmm. I didn't know what I was being hired for, and at that time um, they didn't have, I don't think they had software then. It was in the 80s. Probably not. And I had to like lay my vocal down like three, three or four tracks for every single part. It was like a duet because he sang the verses, I sang the choruses, and he answered me in the chorus, and then I sang the bridge. Right. And but so you were doing the same part four times, and you had to match it each time. Yeah, right. I mean it was a, it took hours, and Marcus Miller was in the studio, oh, wow. Bernard, right? I mean, yeah. you know, heavy hitters. Yeah, and then I didn't know what was going to happen with it. I mean, I got paid something, I think. Three hundred dollars, and mm -hmm. then six months later, I'm like driving down Jewel Avenue in Flushing, and like <laughs> Silver Cutlass, and all of a sudden it comes on the radio. So exciting, right? So exciting, and it was like a top ten R&B hit song, and you know, not everybody will know it, but a lot of people do know that song, and it has over three million hits on a particular YouTube thing, and I'm very proud of it. And I didn't make a lot of money, but I should have gotten more credit at least for it because I wasn't like singled out 
as the singer on that particular track. I was right. just like one of the vocalists on the mm -hmm. record. You know, that's kind of what they do. You were yeah. telling me a story about that, oh, yeah. you know. Yeah. They don't necessarily want to give credit all the time. But anyway, that's my credit of the week that I got to sing on a, a hit song. Yeah. And uh, Okay, so we're going to play a little bit of it here. And then if you want to hear or purchase the entire well, song. Well, I'm not selling it. You know, it's not something I can sell, but, oh, okay. you know, because okay. I don't own it, uh, but I am the singer, and you can certainly hear it on YouTube, and okay. we will be putting other things on that we do have rights to sell. Well, we already did. We already did, <laughs> but just so you know, we will be doing it again. Okay. <laughs> so until the next time, may your gigs be plentiful. And may your signal never falter on your GPS. Okay. Have a good week. So long. Geek Hose Podcast is produced and recorded by Marla Joe and Willa Basson, also known as The Geek Hose. Thanks to Doodle for the opening voiceover.